0: In this world, we make a lot of assumptions, and a lot of these assumptions are based on what we're taught and the way our culture views certain things. And essentially, uh, what the culture does is it prioritizes things. It considers certain things good and certain things bad, certain things high and certain things low, certain things successful, and certain things unsuccessful. And we, as individuals, because we live in the culture are raised with these assumptions and we buy into them. Now, the interesting thing about the word culture is if you turn it up around, it becomes your cult. So all of us throughout the world live in small cults. uh, And each of these cults have their own rules and regulations and assumptions. In our culture, um, there are, and when I say our culture, I'm talking about the Western culture, particularly in America. There are certain assumptions that are preeminent within the society. It's better to be rich than to be poor. That's probably one of the major assumptions uh, within the society. It's better to have things than not to have them. It's better to be powerful than not to be powerful. Um, It's better uh, to have titles than not to have titles. In other words, it's a society which has, at least recently, been drenched with the position that accumulation uh, is good. I was just uh, away and uh, it was a friend I hadn't seen in a while and he had been deteriorating uh, mentally and I'm told that it's gotten to the point where now he walks around collecting things on the streets and bringing them home and his house is full of things. Uh, I think the modern terminology for that is hoarding. And his house is so full of things now that he has no room uh, to move around. Now, if you just look at the culture of having as opposed to not having, with having being better, he's reached the penultimate. Unfortunately, he's reached the penultimate uh, of what this culture tells you to do in a rather mentally ill way Uh, and because the things he hoards don't have value according to our cultural biases, uh, they're considered garbage, uh, his hoarding is not good. But if you did the same thing and your house is full of things that the culture considers valuable, Um, you're not only not mentally ill, you're eccentric, and what you're doing uh, is positive. Both of these things are incredibly similar, yet people envy one and shun the other one. Our societal norms and the things that we consider as acceptable or not acceptable um, have a lot to say about our society, but they have more to say about us. The truth is that we are a part of our society, but more importantly, we are who we are. And the key to our existence is to discover our existence in this entire mass of our societal understandings. Each one of our cultures has a different set of values and a different set of standards. But each of our cultures will pull us into the culture and pull us out of ourselves, no matter what that culture is. And no matter what culture we find ourselves in, we have to learn to pull ourselves out of our culture and into ourself. Somehow, this dealing with who I am, what I am becoming, what I am doing, has to take place. And it can't be compared to what? It can't be, I am this compared to my neighbor, who is that, so I'm okay. Our neighbors are not who we need to compare ourselves to. Our culture is not who we need to compare ourselves to. We do, however, need to compare ourselves. The Christians say, what would Jesus do? I would hope the Muslims would sometime begin to say, what would Muhammad do? Unfortunately, they have pulled Muhammad out of a lot of Islam, uh, which is one of the problems with Islam uh, right now. It needs more of Muhammad in it. But we need We need prototypes that we compare ourselves to that are like that. We need to compare ourselves to prototypes who have transcended culture, transcended norms, transcended in a way that we have recognized that these individuals are beyond the normative acceptance of what goes on in day-to-day existence. They somehow erupted through the normative into something that became exemplary for another way of being and another way of life, and they become trajectories for change, trajectories for an affirmation of reality in the midst of what we continually call the norm. Just because everybody does the same thing doesn't make it right. Just because you do something entirely different than everybody else doesn't make it wrong. We need to find touchstones for what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. and Unfortunately, society in general takes the position of what we in eighth grade math called the LCD, the lowest common denominator, and it brings things down to that level on a consistent basis. Now, we can choose to find that level acceptable or we can hold ourselves up to a higher standard. To do that, we have to find that standard. I was on a plane yesterday and the guy next sitting next to me was very talkative and he was a lawyer So we started talking about uh, law school, and I realized that I was busy while I was in law school looking for something, it had nothing to do with the law, but I was busy looking for something. And what I was busy looking for was to try and find some answers to some really basic questions that had just smacked me in the face at that time, which was like, Why am I here? Because I certainly didn't want to be in law school. I certainly didn't want to be doing what I was doing. And nothing around me made a whole lot of sense. So I was trying to find sense in this world. And very often, we step into situations and it doesn't make any sense to us. We don't know why we're here. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know why we're doing it. We just keep. Running on that same tread on that same treadmill over and over and over. So I began to talk about the fact that I went on this search to discover who I was. Now, with all of the curricula that they give you in the universities, in all of the different schools here, are there any curricula that say? the discovery of who you are and the methodology for going on that search? And the truth is, what's more important to you in this world than discovering who you are and going on that search? Is it more important to know all the different species of trees? And what are you going to accomplish if you do know all the different species of trees. Well, in the world you may accomplish finding out which ones are the best to cut, finding out where they are. You start a lumber company, you become a success in the world. But sometime each of us is going to get smacked in the face with the question of what is this all about? And unless we've begun to do an inquiry into that, we're going to have difficulty with the impact (coughs) of that question. And the following kinds of things are going to happen. Depression, uh, isolation, fear, um, the kinds of reactions you have when you become overwhelmed. And one day unless we actively begin to look for who we are, we're going to be very overwhelmed. We're going to be very taken by our incredible lack of self-examination and self-knowledge. The guy I was talking to was in his early 40s and he had not yet thought about any of these things. And as the conversation we, he went on, went on, he said to me that all of these things made sense to him, but he had no idea how to approach them and how to go after them and how to begin that kind of an inquiry in his life. And he asked me, how come they never talk about these things to us? Not only in school, but in religion. And therein lies uh, the difficulty that many of us in this society and many other societies face. Governments, societies, cultures don't want to ask the difficult questions. Why? Because it puts the society, the culture uh, in jeopardy. When things become too hard, then all of a sudden, that exact way can't be maintained. And the way to maintain a certain methodology is not to question it. Uh, In this country, we can question everything and anything. The interesting thing is, we don't. We've replaced political activism as the sort of I'm sorry, we've replaced with political activism the search for the self. And that's really interesting. We believe we can change the world, but we never try to change ourself. And this is phenomenal. Because how can you possibly change the world if you haven't changed yourself? Isn't the world made up of a bunch of ones each one of us being one of those ones. So you, you, you expect to have a mass change where you don't have a change of one. We need to take our focus and really narrow it down until the only thing in our focus is our immediate circle. And we need to ask simple questions like How do I treat the people that I run into? How do I treat the people that I have conversations with? How do I treat the people that I meet every day? As opposed to questions like, what's our policy on uh, aid to a specific group that seems to be uh, in, in the underclass? I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm not saying those things don't have a place. But I'm saying that unless you personally monitor your actions throughout the day with the people that you run into, you're not really accomplishing much. I had uh, an experience with somebody that was very telling for me and showed me a lot. I had to spend a lot of time with this person. And this person was incredibly polite to strangers. But anybody he knew for more than ten minutes, he became abusive. And it was an astonishing thing. He could maintain the form of politeness for a very short period of time with anybody. But as soon as anything happened where there was a difference of opinion or an opinion was required and it didn't go exactly the way he needed, boom! There was an explosion. Yet, as long as he only met you for four to eight seconds and as long as he kept moving, that polite nature was quite astonishing and he was an incredibly appropriate being. How long are we able to maintain our appropriate veneer? How much contact do we need with somebody before that veneer falls away? Is it possible that we can change from a veneer to solid wood? Is it possible that that veneer that we try to portray can penetrate us through our entirety so that we maintain a certain way of being uh, with all beings everywhere that we go. These are not complex points, but the truth is not complex. The truth is not complicated. When we can't do something, we make it complicated. When we have difficulty understanding something, we make it complicated, or we say it's complicated. So we will say things like, reality is too far, uh, or too hard for me to understand. It's too far removed from our everyday existence for us to understand. But reality is being able to say hello to somebody with a smile. And then if they ask you to do something for them, being able to assist also with a smile. The ability to continue to do that, the ability to maintain a certain kind of being throughout the day, um, is what we need to be able to do. We don't need to complicate this. We don't need to complicate our existence saying that God is so far from us that it's unreachable, therefore I shouldn't try because I am too little to understand this. You're not too little. You're not too big. Everyone's just right. Now, just try being just right. The rules for conduct are incredibly simple. And the rewards for right conduct are incredibly immense. Right conduct can take us to places beyond our imagination. The ability to stay centered and to stay positive can put us in places we've never dreamt of. But we just need to make the turn to put ourselves into those places. and not to complicate our existence. Because once things get complicated, the mind enters into the equation. And once the mind enters into the equation, the lower self enters into the equation. And the lower self is ruled by the demonic forces. And so, complications lead to gaps that allow Satan to enter into our lives. It's that simple. It's that simple. As soon as it becomes com- complicated, doubt enters. And as soon as doubt enters, confusion enters, and Satan lives in the midst of doubt and confusion. That is his milieu. That's the petri dish that grows him So we need to leave doubt and confusion. We need to be peaceful, positive. We need not to get upset. And we need to move forward in the simplistic things that we know are the truth. And we don't need to say things like, You have to give me signs. You have to give me visions. I need more to understand the truth. Um, There was a lady who was sitting in front of Bawa, um, the revered saint, and said to him, all these people come to you and see visions and have dreams and tell them all to you. Nothing like this happens to me. And he looked at her. And he said, you're sitting next to me, aren't you? We miss the miracle that's in front of us. Learn to enter awe by looking at a blade of grass. Learn to be overwhelmed by the shape of a tulip. Learn to enter ecstasy through the fragrance of a rose. Allow the Wonders that we've taken as ordinary to come back as wonders that are from his creation that are capable of overwhelming us. As we get older and we see things too often, we become desensitized. We need to resensitize ourselves. Get excited about a cup of tea. Get excited about the waft of air that comes through on a spring day. Feel the gentility of the air sitting on your shoulders and know that that's Allah patting you on your back. Begin to think that way. Begin to see the world that way. Ibn Arabi said, that the world is a translator for Allah. That means that everywhere we look is another showing of reality. All we need to do is open our eyes to see it. Open your eyes. And if we have trouble, ask Allah to open eyes. Our eyes, ask him to open our ears, ask him to open our nostrils, allow us to know him through our sense of smell, through our sense of touch, through our sense of hearing. All of these things are available to us so that we can know him. May it come to pass that we do know him. Amin, amen, Ya